production. Today's guest generated $400,000 in sales from Instagram over the past two years. But guess what? (laughs) That's the least interesting thing they've done in business. Intrigued? Excellent. So was I when I received her pitch. It's an overly confident episode 564, that'll make sense in a minute, of the 12-year-old award-winning small business big marketing podcast. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing that is definitely not for the meek and mild. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, and I have an insatiable curiosity for uncovering marketing strategies and ideas that help businesses just like yours to grow. You, so much more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you are well and truly ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that is exactly, my friend, why this podcast exists. So you are in the right place. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Quick update before we meet today's guest who is going to blow your mind. I've got a new podcast. It's on the Listener app, L-I-S-T-N-R, which hopefully you're subscribed to by now because this podcast is also on that app. Um, My new podcast is called Marketing in Minutes, and it's a shortcast, actually, goes for a few minutes, as the title suggests, and in every episode, I give you one practical marketing idea that you can implement immediately without spending a fortune. They are proven to work, and I would love you to get stuck into it. So head over to the listener app and download Marketing in Minutes, or subscribe to. That would be the ace thing to do, but you'll also find it on other podcast apps that you may use. Hey, also great feedback inside the Facebook tribe. Hopefully you're a member of that already. On my chat with John Warrillow last week on how to create recurring revenue. Really, really well received. What an awesome guy. I'm going to get him back to talk about his book, Built to Sell. But boy, oh boy, last week's episode, if you haven't heard it, have a listen because it will give you ways to generate income on a recurring basis. And how good is that for cash flow? A reminder that if you're doing it tough right now in business and or in life generally, and many are thanks to COVID, then please reach out to a friend or connect with your local support service in Australia. That would be Lifeline on 13 11 44. Now I say that because today's guest, Erica Kramer, is a shining example of a business owner who's experienced multiple tragedies yet come out the other side in a way that you could never, ever imagine. From childhood sexual abuse, being in and out of the foster care system, multiple car accidents, being widowed and going through immense loss, Erica is a beaming and beautiful example of how you can heal your personal story and transform trauma into triumph. Now, that sounds like a cliche. It sounds like a motherhood statement. I tell you what, team, Erica is a shining example of this, not to mention that she started a business that is making a huge difference in the lives of many. In this very candid chat, the queen of confidence, 
That's what she calls herself. Plus, it's the name of her business. She is a confidence coach. She shares how she's picked herself up and got on with building a life and business she loves. I throw a few business scenarios at her where our confidence is tested as business owners and she suggests how we best handle them. She's such a good confidence coach. You're going to love her. Plus, she unpacks how she's built a six-figure business during COVID and steps us through how she made $400,000 directly from Instagram in the last two years. Yeah, we cover a lot of ground. I started off by asking Erica what gave her the confidence to be a world-leading confidence coach. Yeah, so I grew up in America, as you can hear the accent, Erica from America, and um, I'm an only child to a woman who struggled with bipolar, and so I was in and out of foster homes. Growing up, I lacked a lot of confidence. I did not feel worthy or, or good enough, and I found myself in a bunch of experiences, went in and out of the foster care system, unfortunately dealing with childhood trauma and sexual abuse, physical abuse. And then when I was seven years old, I was kidnapped by my father. That was a whole other thing. At 16, I joined the military because I just felt like I needed some kind of, I don't know, discipline or some kind of regularity. So I joined the military, moved across the country to California, ended up marrying my high school sweetheart in secret, who was also uh, in the military. And when we got out of that whole war experience that happened, I was out with him one night drinking and driving and I didn't wear a seatbelt and I ended up flinging out of the car 25 feet into the air and was ejected and broke my back and was in the hospital for like 30 days attached to a morphine pump. Again, not in confidence town, you know, really far away from that. The following year, unfortunately, it was my wake up call. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do something with my life. And my husband passed away in a car accident on his own. And it was just kind of like my, oh my goodness, I have too much trauma. This is really full on. I don't know what to do with myself. So I just numbed out, drank, uh, dated really bad men, met someone in a, in a conference in Las Vegas and moved to Australia thinking that all of my mess wouldn't follow me across the Pacific Ocean. And it did. And so I came to Australia feeling like a broken woman, just feeling like I was damaged goods. And finally meeting someone who introduced me to working on myself. And within 12 months, I had spent, I don't know, $40,000 that first year, all on credit cards, Tim, to be honest and met this person and just started really unraveling my life. And so in that year of me working and going to those hard places and having those discussions, I really got to see that all the things that happened to me happened for me and that I could really use my past and my experiences and my resilience to create a life I wanted. Uh, That took me eight and a half years, $110,000 later, like I said, on credit cards. And then we refinanced my husband's home loan and it was a big mess financially. But now looking back, it was worth it because it really led me to see how I needed to make peace with my past if I was going to not only reclaim my confidence, but actually do what I wanted and create the life I wanted. So yeah. Can you remember a moment in that journey and what a journey and thank you for sharing it, Erica, in where you've You've kind of, it was the hockey stick inflection where you'd really, it sounds to me like you'd hit a lot of rock bottoms and kept picking yourself up. And and we continue to do that in life. That's, you know, welcome to being human. But that, that really low point, how did you pick yourself up and decide to go into the debt, decide to do all this personal development and decide not to be a victim? Yeah, exactly. That There was probably two moments. The first moment where I realized that it was all on me was when I came to Australia and I kept seeing, I had that same experience, just a different person. So the same 
same shit, different energy kind of thing. So I'm like, how do I keep putting myself in these positions? And that was a real wake up moment where I looked in the mirror and I was like, the common denominator is Erica. It's me. So it has to be my responsibility. And that gave me that drive to want to find out how the hell it was my responsibility and what I could do about it. The second part, which really shifted everything, was I went on a retreat with this guy, this business mentor we had, and we were in paradise and I was having a mental breakdown in paradise. And I paid for that as well. So I'm like, what am I doing here? And he gave us a really crazy exercise that I'm sure he he learned from Tony Robbins where you do your eulogy and you're reading, you know, the eulogy exercise. And it was horrible. I actually have a photo of the moment I was broken. That was my broken moment. I had to basically pretend to be my mother and say my eulogy at my funeral. And all of the things I wanted to do, I never did them because of lacking confidence, playing small, caring what people think about me. And so that was my moment. And I have a photo of that. So I look at that photo. It's, it's in my house. Like I look at it all the time because I feel like it broke me into going, shit, like if I don't do something about this, I will die one day. We all will. And it was all a pipe dream. It was all a maybe. It was all a, I wish I could have. So that really made me go. I got that like fierce hunger, that fire. And it's a fire that we all need if we're going to do what we need to do. And so I feel like since that day, the fire just never went out. It just got bigger. <laughs> I'm going to ask one of my more unusual questions, but I have interviewed Paul de Gelder, who uh, had his arm and leg bitten off by a shark in Sydney Harbour. I have interviewed Perry Cross, who as a young man became a ventilated quadriplegic in a rugby accident. And my question to them both, having told their story to me and now having created amazing businesses off the back of tragedy, was, are you glad it happened? And I always feel awkward asking it. But the answer of Perry's and the answer of Paul's was, I wish it hadn't of, but the fact it had... I'm okay with because it's led to where I am now. What's your answer to that question? Oh, you're taking me back to uh, New Zealand when I had an event there and I was in the shower crying on the floor, thanking, literally thanking all of my abusers, all of my difficult times, like thanking. And I can't believe it because I don't think it was okay. I don't think it's okay. And I feel bad for anyone who's listening who's been sexually abused, physically abused, verbally abused. But I can't tell you, Timbo, that that moment was like this crazy, I don't consider myself a very spiritual person, but it was a very spiritual experience because I I just got to see that I almost want to feel like maybe before I came here, I signed up for that and said, this is what I need to move through so that I can become who I am right now so that I can do what I do for who I do it with right now. I am, I wouldn't take any of it back. I don't have anything to say to my teenage self because she needed to go through that. And that's the problem I feel that we're just like, well, if you could have changed something, what would it have been? It's like, you don't get to do that. You don't get to have the resilience and the awesome story but have played it safe. And it's similar with confidence. So I am glad that uh, that happened. I am not happy with the fact that that needs to happen. But who am I to say that I didn't need to go through that in order to be who I am today when I would do it again if I knew that I was going to be here? Uh, I'm going to pause and just remind listeners, uh, if this is triggering anything, um, go and ring a friend, You know, talk to someone, Call Lifeline 13 11 44 if you're in America, if you're in Australia, I should say, um, or your support system in America or wherever, wherever you are in the world. So, Erica, you've decided to go down the route of confidence. You've built a business around being the queen of confidence and a confidence coach as a result of what you've been through. You could have gone down 
uh, being a, a, a sexual trauma coach, you could have gone down the path of, actually many paths, right? Uh, you chose confidence. Why? I feel like it's the one thing that women want and it is the thing that we've been told that if we had it, things would be different. So I'm sure you know in business, anyone listening who has a business, we give our clients what they want or we promote what they want, but when they come to you, you give them what they need. So heck yeah, we talk about sexual trauma. Of course, we talk about childhood trauma that comes up all the time, but I would never say, hey, do you want to deal with your childhood trauma and take responsibility for the life that you created by being a victim? Call me, you know, like people would be like, screw you. So I I think that the main thing that women desire and want, because I work primarily only with women or anybody identifying as, is confidence. If only I was more confident then. And so that's really the area where I, I talk about and I speak to. And I was a hair I was a hairdresser before I was a coach. I was I was doing confidence in the image. And then I became a fashion stylist. And through my journey while I was doing my healing for those eight years, I was teaching women how to look confident on the outside. And we were culling their wardrobe and worrying about their nails and their hair. And Timbo, women would still look in the mirror and go, I hate myself. And I'm like, you look immaculate. Like you're head to toe immaculate. So that's when I was doing my inner work and I'm like, oh, it's not the outside confidence. It's not the external confidence. It's the inner layers. We have to call the thoughts. We have to call the beliefs. We have to, you know, let go of those things that don't fit us anymore. Not so much your breastfeeding t-shirt that you keep in your, you know, in your clothing. So that's kind of when that moment broke for me and I went, I'm not going to do styling anymore. I'm going to do confidence. It's still along the lines of what I was doing. It's just more... It's more deep instead of the fluffy, you know, top level froth that we worry about, the image. So, yeah. There's two paths I want to go down here. One is I want to explore confidence more and I want to explore your business, obviously, because it's a business podcast. So I'll come back to confidence, but you're an employee, you're a hairdresser, you're earning not a lot of dough. The risk, I'm guessing, of leaving your job as a hairdresser to go and start something that you've never done before. I'm guessing you've never had an online business. It sounds to me like you probably never had a business. You're out of the military, you know, you're a public servant at at one point. So tell me about that decision from being an employee to going off and creating a, a coaching business. I actually was working as a salon executive for this franchise. And then I worked for L'Oreal, which is a massive company. I was a, a rep and they made you register as a company so as a supplier so I had to register a business and I'm like okay but I'm technically a sales rep so here comes the company registration and I'm doing this L'Oreal job and realizing more and more every event that I did because on the side my hustle on the side was my styling business and it wasn't you know it wasn't a business it was me doing events at some styling suite having champagne telling women to love themselves <laughs> you know so i had my second son at home it was a home birth and my first son was a really traumatic cesarean in the hospital we had a miscarriage and then i had a home birth and i feel like my husband says from that birth he's like i don't know who you became but you became this like such a powerful woman who is like i'm not going to play small anymore and I was in the shower and I got all the wisdom because it comes in the shower, as we know, when your kids aren't with you. And it was like, what does the queen of confidence do? She doesn't talk about linen and cotton and styling and that you're a pear or a banana body shape. She talks about confidence. And I ran down the stairs and I said, I'm not going back to my corporate gig. 
Uh, I'm not going to come back after maternity leave. I'm actually going to launch my confidence coaching business because that's what I want to do. And my husband was like, are you kidding me? We had a second baby. We bought a Tiguan Volkswagen. We had no money. His gym, he owns a gym, was dead because it was Christmas. So the worst time in the world, Timbo, to start my business. But I was like, I'm sick of not listening to the knock. You know, you get the knock. I got the knock when I broke my back. I got the knock again when I came to Australia and I was not listening. And it was just a time for me to go, you know what? What else do I have to lose? Like, let's do this. Wow. Uh, playing small. You mentioned the concept of playing small and whether there are cubicle escapees listening to this interview and you know who you are, working for the man or the woman, dying to get out and start your own your own show, your own business, uh, or whether you are a business owner and you just, you know, you've got a business that you don't love or you wished it was bigger, whatever it is. What do you say to both men and women, Erica, that are playing small? I feel like one of the things that we don't do is ask why. You know, I think we believe our thoughts that, you know, if I do that, this is going to happen. The fear that kind of talks to us. And uh, when we don't inquire that fear, we just believe it blindly. And most of the thoughts that we think are not true. They're scary stories that we tell ourselves before bed every day. And so I feel like if you haven't done this, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I know in my heart and soul, I want to run my own business. I want to do my own show. How do I do this? Start writing down the things that you're fearful of. And, and what's the probability of that actually happening? And it may happen and it may not. And so we set ourselves up for the worst case scenario. And then the fear just doesn't let us do it. So I would really get out on paper. I love doing stuff on paper so that you can disassociate from the thought and not think it's you. What's actually true and what's going on here? And what if you did it? What if that horrible thing didn't happen? Because if you don't, then you're just going to have that regret, which everybody on their deathbed says it's the number one thing, right? I, I wish I would have done this thing. Mm. And I'm like, let's yeah, go yeah, yeah. for it. Should've, exactly. should've, should've. <laughs> so you have, uh, clearly you have an innate, uh, uh, an, an underlying confidence, maybe that some don't have, but you had to find your confidence in order to become the queen of confidence. What was it? that made you think that you could get to be a successful confidence coach given you don't have a psychology degree, you don't have any tertiary qualifications, I'm guessing, in the field of psychology or psychiatry, whatever it is, you were learning along the way and clearly when you first started, you knew the least amount compared to what you know now. What gave you the confidence or the right to hang that shingle out saying queen of confidence? So I did pay a lot of money to learn. I did learn NLP. I did learn different modalities of training, some hypnotherapy. So I do have training. It's not like I just opened a book and went, I'm going to be a life coach. And unfortunately, Timbo, in my industry, that happens and it sucks because you have 14-year-olds thinking they're life coaches and then it makes our industry look like shit. So please, let's not do that, everyone. Go get some kind of certification tools so you can actually help people. Um, so that for me was one thing. And the other thing was it was nine years. It was nine years and I had the physical result, not just saying I changed my life, like physically going, I actually don't know who I am anymore because I have no business being in Australia making money. So I feel like that was the thing that helped me. And, and I think the side of confidence, it wasn't so much about talking about confidence. It was so much as to say, why aren't you going for what you want? And so I thought, yeah, I thought like with my background and my past, not only have I done it, but now I've helped others do it. So I'm like, no, nah, this is not a I'm lucky this is a survival mechanism. And if you've been through anything hard, if you're a human in 2021, <laughs> you've been through COVID, everybody's resilient. So we, we will be surprised what you can do when you go, I have no other choice but to go for it. So that was really how it kind of came about. 
If, if ever we were to learn about resilience and how resilient, resilient we really are versus how resilient we think we are, the last 12 to 18 months has kind of demonstrated that in spades, hasn't it? And um, I, I want to explore confidence and then move on because you, you've actually built a really interesting business, Erica, and there's one aspect of that business I want to explore, which is how you made literally $400,000 on Instagram in two years, which I'm incredibly cynical about, as I told you off air. So like, I'm really looking forward to hearing all about that. But I do want to learn more about confidence and I want us business owners, men and women, uh, or whatever you identify as, to learn about confidence. So I thought I'd just put some business scenarios to you as opposed to asking the generic confidence questions, you know, like, how do I stop comparing myself to others? But let's move on to like specific business situations. So I've got a few here. And um, look, I don't know. I'm not a confidence coach. Maybe maybe your answer is the same for every single one, but let's see. Um, these are scenarios in which us business uh, owners find ourselves. Um, public speaking, speaking in front of a large group of people. How do I find my confidence if I just don't want to be there? Well, first of all, I would tune into why you're doing it, right? So the why, which every business owner has to have. I am not going to give, even when we talk about how I made 400K, I'm not going to give the strategy and, and it's only strategy. You have to give a shit. If you actually don't give a shit, you can't do that anymore. Like gone are the days where you can pretend to care about people and just have really great sales tactics and a lot of money for Facebook ads. You will get found out. You will get cancel culture is real, right? You actually have to care. So I think if you're scared of public speaking, do you have to public speak? If you don't have to do that as a medium to get to your audience, meaning is it going to be of service to the people you're here to help? Then maybe do a podcast because you can hide your face. But, okay, back to this business owner who is about to walk out in front of 100 people has been given the opportunity to speak at a conference that they wouldn't normally get. So it's actually one you really don't want to turn down. Okay, so they have to do it. So (laughs) the tool is, if you're up there and you have to do it, is close your eyes, step into your audience. Where are they at? What do they need? Don't don't stay in yourself because what we do is go, I'm not good enough. I'm shit. I this. I, 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 me, me, me. And then I'm like, I thought your business was about helping those people. So if you can do this on the spot and it's worked, many of my clients have called me in an emergency. I'm about to get on stage, about to do this thing, about to do a live. And I'm like, breathe. What's the one thing you can do for them? So if you step into them, you step into service, you get out of yourself, right? it'll come. You'll be like, bam, hey guys, today I'm going to teach you this one thing and it'll come. And guess what? You're going to suck at public speaking until you do it a lot. I sucked. I talk a lot. So run on sentences in live in person. You know, I had to find my jokes. I had to walk around and you will suck. You'll suck on selling on stage until you do it many times. You have to fall down to learn how to fall and get back up. So that's what I would say for public speaking. Here's another scenario, Erica, um, one that we're all confronted with, preparing a quote based on what we're really worth. So we, we, you know, us business owners, we quote every day, we price every day, but we get the nervousness when it's like, oh, geez, like I feel like I'm worth a lot more, but I can't bring myself to writing that number down on the quote. How do I find my confidence to do that? Yeah, I have a really controversial answer for this, Mr. <laughs> Timbo, uh, a really juicy one. So I hate the saying, charge what you're worth. Because I'm worth a fucking billion dollars, okay? (laughs) Nobody can afford me or you or any of us. So I love instead if we feel the charge. So again, I make a list of what I'm going to give that person. They're going to get this. They're going to get this. They're going to learn this. What is that going to do for them? Well, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Wow. And then I'm like, oh shit, that's amazing. I'm going to do all that for them. All right. What's that worth? And then I go, that's 5K. And I put it down and I'm like, easy. 
So instead of going, my mentor told me, Erica said, Timbo said, the industry does this, that's not true for you. So you have to charge what's true for you. Even if that's $50, who cares? Get a, a bunch of low-hanging fruit that say yes. Do you know what that's going to do to your body? Your confidence internally is going to be like, oh, everybody wants this, says the woman who sold a year-long p- coaching program in person, live events for 997 I got 25 women and I was broke as hell. So you think that 25K that hit me in five hours didn't inspire me and make me believe in myself? Hell yeah, it did. The price went up, right? But I needed to charge low to get the yeses in my body and to see my phone pinging with money alerts to believe that I was worth it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, back to feel the charge. I got it. I like that. That's not too wacky an answer. I was expecting more. Yeah, I was expecting right. wackier. We'll get there. <laughs> so what about having difficult conversations, whether it be with a business partner, an employee, a supplier? You know, we all want to be loved as humans, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. We love to please the people. Um, yeah, this is great. So difficult conversations. What I love to do is go in without an attack because that's a lot nicer. So for anybody out there who's a people pleaser or who really doesn't like confrontation, if that's you, the best way to go in is taking responsibility first. So, hey, Tim, I just want to go ahead and take responsibility for how I've been showing up. I've been really avoiding you. Uh, I just want you to know that it's not you. I've just been feeling really overwhelmed. I want to talk about something and I'm really nervous because I don't normally do this. I'm actually not good at this kind of stuff. So if you just listen for a moment, I want to let you know what this is about. And you just share. Like that is no strategy. That's heart to heart. That's honesty. You can even say I suck at these conversations. I usually blah, blah, blah. That person's going to hear you because you're not coming in with a hard guard. You're like, I'm taking responsibility first. And if there is a problem or a situation, trust me, you are responsible as well, especially if it's about you not showing up or you not speaking. That's your fault there. That's your fault that you can take. So when you go into it, you claim responsibility. You seek to understand, listen. And then again, just state your intention. A lot of women that I work with, their their clients cry. So women, men maybe do this, but women I know for sure cry as a defense mechanism. And when I see someone cry, I'm like, oh no, I did something wrong. And then we want to save them. And I w- if that happens to you, you can say, my intention was not to make you cry, Timbo. My intention was back to the beginning. And you just keep saying that to bring them back. And it helps you stay strong in what you're saying. It's going to be hard. But if you don't do it, you could practice as well videoing yourself. But that feels a bit silly. But yeah, that, that, you got to have them. Another business scenario that we often find ourselves in is cold calling and just selling in general. Um, and there's a lot of business owners who probably are overdue to pick the phone up and make a few calls to someone who'd be their perfect client or, you know, a perfect supplier, whatever it may be. What do you say to them? Yeah, it's a hard one, rejection, isn't it? Because we take it so personally. So I think the only way out is through. I remember hearing a story about someone who got 30 days of rejection and just went out to try to get rejected. So it's a great strategy. I've used that before myself. Like, I'm just going to go get a bunch of no's And if we don't, you know, if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. I even tell my clients, ask me. I might say, yes, I need an extended payment plan. No, but sometimes I'll say yes if I can do it, you know? And and so I think if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. So why are you dreaming and desiring and not asking? So again, pipe dream, you know, if you don't go for it. So there's no real way around it. You have to do the work. And at the end of this, the answer to all of this is you have to work on yourself because if you got shit going on in your life and you don't work on it, you're going through a divorce. You don't love your body. Your kids hate you, whatever, anything like in your family life or your personal life, it is going to impact your business. 
So let's not save working on ourselves for when we need therapy because something's wrong with us. Nothing's wrong with you. We all were traumatized, okay? And if you haven't been now, you have been. If you've been in 2020, you've been traumatized. So consider there's work to be done. And I think that when you decide to work on yourself, not only does your confidence improve, but everything in your life, especially your business, has the ability to improve. Now, let's talk about the queen of confidence, which is the business that you have created. There's two aspects that fascinate me. You've grown at six figures during COVID and you've made 400 grand in the last two years on Instagram. Just quickly, what you offer as the queen of confidence, correct me if I'm wrong, you have a mastermind group, you have one-on-one coaching, you did live retreats until COVID, but I guess that's coming, but we'll come back at some point. So classic coaching business, fair to say? Yeah, classic coaching, um, no more one-on-ones, but yeah, we did uh, group coaching, so in person live event, there was no online business the first year. So the first six figures was not online. And then we did the online because of Instagram and our audience. And then the retreats came into it. And now there's a business mastermind because of what I did. I was like, I want to teach women how to do this. And we launched that in COVID. And that's what really helped us because it was a big launch. It was a higher ticket item than anything else I'd I'd done. So you go to six figures during, you you launched this business in 2018, am I right saying that? Yeah. At which time it was was all face to face. COVID comes along, you have to move it online. You grow it to six figures. Let's just just step through. I know your first point around how you've done it is be committed and just serve, 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 as you say. Yeah. Explain a little bit more around that. Yeah. Well, I give a shit. And that's the thing. And I know that we're like, well, tell me the five-step strategy. And I'm like, don't be a jerk. Like, you're in this to help people, not just to make money. And because I'm not focused on the money, that doesn't mean I don't love money. And that doesn't mean that we don't make money and we're profitable. But I'm not like money, 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 money. I'm like people, service, help. What's the problem? How do I solve it? Be real and authentic. Give a shit because people can feel that now. What does that look like? What does give a shit look like? And what does it feel like when you are? Yeah, it, it feels like you charge what feels good to you because you don't have the confidence to charge a lot. It feels like you do the hard things when everyone else is trying to go online. It feels like you build an in-person connection where you give a shit about people. You probably go over time in your events or in your sessions. You know, our, our first year, we I start we had literally no money. Like, makes me emotional thinking about it because we couldn't find coins to buy bread and we knew all this stuff which was the worst thing Timbo we'd done all the coaching we went to the mentors we weren't actioning shit that we learned but we had it inside of us somewhere and we're in deep scarcity going holy crap so I'm like I'm American I'm resilient as hell we still have electricity like I can do this my husband's freaking out because he's Australian and he's like what is going on I'm like this isn't the worst we're fine So I go, what do I do? I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm like breastfeeding my baby. I got a toddler. My husband's working all day. I'm alone and I'm watching YouTube videos and the wiggles and YouTube videos and the wiggles, you know, and I'm like, I am going to do what he says and just show up online. So I'm going to get on Instagram. I'm going to get a podcast. I'm going to get on YouTube, do all the things. I just thought, what do I need to do? I need to get out there and build an audience and tell my story. Ah. So that was the part one. This is the part one of serve, serve, serve. Just yeah, get out there, was, create traffic, share your knowledge, yeah. not charging. Yes. I'm here for you, service, 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 and trying to position yourself and create some traffic and audience to what you have to share. Exactly, because who the hell are you? You have no followers. No one cares about who you are. And I was styling, so I had a styling audience. I had a bunch of women who wanted to talk about cotton and fabric and horizontal stripes. I'm like, shit, I don't want to talk about that anymore, you know? So 
I firstly said to them, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to talk about confidence and thoughts and coaching. Like we're going to talk about coaching stuff, the deep stuff. So I did that. They were lovely. No one unfollowed everybody. I was on Facebook at the time. They were really lovely. And I had an event that I would do every second month. I would do a styling event. So I canceled the styling event, which remember we had no money. I'm going to refund everyone. I ring everyone because I used to ring everyone who bought a ticket to my events. Hey, it's Erica. I'm not doing that anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Well, if I'm going to be, a, if I'm going to dress nicely, I need confidence. Don't refund me. I want to come. So all of the women who were coming to my event stayed. It was my first event. So I did a live event at a venue, full day, slides and everything. And at the end, sold my coaching, terribly sold my coaching for literally three sessions for like $67 or $97. Ridiculous, ridiculous. And I had already talked to my coaches and mentors. They're like, you're ready to go. You know what to do. You got all these tools. You can do it. So I had the tools still had the sabotage and lack of self-belief. Why? Because I'd never done it. So I did that every second month until I booked out my one-on-one practice by November 2018. So I started in February, the live event. Podcast started in May. My Instagram and all that started. And then in November, I decided to do a group coaching program. So all of my one-on-ones, I'm like, Do you know what's funny too? I didn't do it because I wanted to scale my time for money, which is a smart idea, by the way, to those of you listening, should definitely do that. I didn't, I didn't do it for that. I went, oh my God, if this woman could meet this other woman who was just here an hour ago, she would feel so seen. Like you're not the only one going through that problem. So for me, I launched a a coaching program because I knew that that woman wasn't the only one. And if more could hear her story, it would help more. So that's how it started. Again, a genuine desire, not a strategy to make more money in a short amount of time. That strategy ended up having 25 women sign up to the early bird, launch my first coaching program, which we started in 2019 called The Sisterhood. And it's a life coaching program for women. Uh, We have six live events in Melbourne at the t- right now because of COVID, six live events and they paid 997. So they get six, eight hour full day live events with me coaching and this community, this private community. We launched that. I'm like, holy shit, women want this. We now have 98 women in the Australian sisterhood and 360 in the global sisterhood in like 22 countries around the world in this program. I was like, this is amazing. So that first year was $160,000 from zero, from Camp Buy Bread. And it was all profit because it was just me, you know, with no... And, and, and you talked about, um, you mentioned scaling your time for dollars. Yeah. So what you meant by that is you, you stopped the one-on-one stuff because it's not very scalable. You've got you got X amount of hours in the day, so you can only do X amount of that. So what you've done is taken that information and gone, okay, well, it's the same information no matter who I'm talking to. So I'm going to create a mastermind and open it up to, I don't know, 10 at a time or whatever you do. Yeah, and it wasn't, uh, that's what I mean. I didn't do it because of that. That's a good reason to do it. I didn't have... Yeah. I didn't have that awareness. I was like, I just want to help these people. and As many as you can. Exactly. It was like, instead of helping one-on-one, and this is what I, my, my, my problem with therapy is that it's just you in a little room all by yourself telling your little story and it's all about you. And I'm like, you're not the only one that deals with that. And how powerful is it? And this is how we used to live when we were in tribes. Some tribes still do this. We gather in a circle, a men's circle, woman's circle, whatever, and we tell our problems and everyone goes, me too, me too. And you don't feel so alone. So that's why we launched it. But it ended up being lucrative because time and money, and I didn't have to do too much. And in that whole year, I had been building my audience. And so something I heard was, who cares about your amazing story? Who gives a shit what you've been through? You lost your limbs. Who cares that a shark bit you? Who cares that you've had trauma? Who cares? 
you need to tell the world. No one's going to come knocking on your door going, hey, Timbo, I heard you got a great story. Do you want to? No, you have to tell people. So that was the moment of like, oh, I need to flood the internet with my story, not because I'm special, but because there's women just like me that will feel seen and I can help them. And that was the switch for me that really kind of started that. And then the following year, we launched the retreat. We launched the online was there, was there not a, uh, a challenge I would have thought in, in doing what you did, Erica, was you deal in a very personal topic, which is self-confidence. And one-on-one, it's easy because you come to see you as the confidence coach or your therapist or whatever, and you talk personally. You've gone, no, no, I'm going to bring a whole bunch, in your case, of women into a room to talk personally. And women are pretty good at doing this, probably because I'm a man and it's, it, this is a man question, isn't it? You know, it's, I, I'm realising it as I'm asking it. But, you know, you bring a bunch of people into a room to talk about something personal and the risk is, to you, the business owner, is they shut down because it's like, what's everyone else thinking? Clearly that's wrong um, and clearly it worked for you or did you have to work hard at actually getting people to come together on something so personal? I hadn't seen it done before, to be honest. I think Tony Robbins does it in his big events, 5,000 people, but he's Tony Robbins. Like, I'm not Tony Robbins. So I was like, or yet I wasn't there. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? And I think in my scenario, for me to do vulnerable work, and if you do vulnerable work, anybody listening, you have to get vulnerable first. So I use this analogy that I get metaphorically naked on the internet before I ask you to get naked. So I'm like, let me show you everything. Let me tell you my hardcore stories. Many times I would cry in front of them telling them about my life. And then they go, oh, I see you. Thank you. I trust you. Know you. Love you. Trust you. With any business, people have to know, like, and trust you. So now they know me. A lot of them like me and resonate with me. So where's the trust? Bam. The trust is there. No one's going to open their wallet if they don't trust you, by the way. So they're like, oh my gosh. And not only that, but a lot of them had similar stories. Not the exact same thing, but similar stories. And so it was just opening up a conversation. And yeah, it's really hard. My first woman who got up with those 25 women shared about some real, really hard sexual abuse. And it was extremely triggering. I obviously have insurance. I obviously know how to open people up and close them up. And because I've worked so much one-on-one, and I have the tools, I know how to do it in a group. A lot of people don't know what the hell they're doing in a group because they haven't done one-on-one. So I had to do one-on-one, which was good. It was like my uh, initiation, if I will. Like it was my initiation to doing group. And so, yeah, it was huge, but I really got to go, I trust and believe that God, Buddha, Allah, whoever you believe in universe, it sets you up for a reason. And there's no way I have the past I have and the experience I have, and that I've spent the money I have and got the tools I have to not do this. And so I really feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do. And that's why all that shit happened. Because who am I to teach you about your trauma if I haven't experienced it? And if I haven't spent the money to work on it and I haven't cried my tears, I can't expect you to do that. So yeah. Your publicist came to me with a headline, something to the effect of, hey, Timbo, I've got a guest that would be ideal for your podcast. She's made $400,000 on Instagram in two years. And I'm like, not again. I've heard it all before. So I went back and I challenged Scott and I said, yeah, all right, well, bring her on as long as she's willing for me to uh, ask some, well, not necessarily hard questions, but cynical questions because I do see it too often. But having spoken to you uh, and without seeing your bank account, um, you have done it. So 
I'm interested on behalf of us all as to not just how to, you know, it would be great to make 400 grand, out, 400 grand out of Instagram, but social media generally is a bit of a pain in the ass for most business owners. You've already spoken. So stepping us through how you made that 400, you talked about showing up and creating content. And this is the Gary Vaynerchuk way, the old jab, 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 right hook, give lots of content before you ask for a sale, if you like. And so you, you, you did, you spent a lot of time, what, Facebook lives, uploading videos to YouTube, you created a podcast, your blog, just putting yourself out there. Was that really step one? And how long did you do that for? I literally just splatter attacked everywhere. And then I checked in with what I liked. So the invitation for you is don't, maybe you won't make 400 on Instagram. Maybe you make that shit on LinkedIn because that's where your ideal client is. Don't be silly and think that there's a strategy to one social media platform. It's not. It's where do you go and go hard there. So right now, if I was starting out, I'd be on Clubhouse. Like I went deep in Clubhouse when it first started and I've got a great following there and I sold out a virtual event to people I don't even know. Like my virtual event tickets made more than, it was crazy. That event made $110,000, a live event because I sold virtual tickets on Clubhouse and I didn't sell them, okay? So it doesn't, it's not about Instagram and I hear you because I try to find you on there and you weren't on there, but anyway. (laughs) I I am, but I I care very little for social media. I know, I know. And the thing is, the, the problem with that is we live in 2021 and business has changed so much that if we're not willing to be people on the internet and we want to be brands, like no one gives a shit if you sell a sea mask for the face. I don't want to see photos of the ocean, quotes about sea masks, a photo of your mask and a photo of a stock woman with a mask on. Boring. Tell me, hi, I'm Erica. I had acne. And so this mask, I created it and I went to Bali and I found this thing. Let me show you about how I put it on. Hey, I'm a mom. I got kids. I love matcha lattes, whatever. I don't give a shit about the mask. I could buy the mask at Mecca. I want to know why did you, the person you are, do it? I buy you. As everybody knows, people don't buy products. They buy people. So I sold Erica. I sold my story. I sold who I was. I sold how I swear, how I like pink, and I'm a ghetto girl from Boston, but I live in Australia. I sold all that shit, right? And because of that, people felt seen, heard, and, and then they believed me. It's like you meet someone at a networking event, and you don't immediately go, hey, I do this. Can you buy it, please? It would be, you're not going to make any sales. So you talk about yourself. You talk about your hobbies, your interests, what, you know, what brings you joy, and you establish some kind of emotional connection with that person. And then at some point, you might actually ask for a sale, probably not at the first, on the first date or on the first meeting. But was there, where is that moment for you where you, you stopped sharing behind the scenes Erica and start sharing, not even asking for a sale, but start sharing knowledge, tips, tricks, insight? From day one. So I think you're seeing it as you show personal stuff and then it's business stuff. And what I'm saying is it's not a separation. So I come on as a confidence coach who only, I don't get on there on Instagram and shake my butt in my cellulite. I never do shit like that. My kids aren't on there. I'm not telling you about my cooking class. I don't do that, right? Like I literally showed up there as Erica, the queen of confidence, confidence coach. Hey, let me tell you my story about confidence. Let me tell you about this, that, and the other. By the way, I'm running an event. You should come. So I'm 24-7 selling on Instagram, 24-7, right? I don't really do LinkedIn well, as you can probably tell if you go to my LinkedIn, but I chose Instagram because that to me was the platform where I could have my own TV show. So I have stories and I'm like, hey, good morning, guys. We're doing this at a live event. So I'm always selling Timbo, like I'm always selling. So I think number one, you have to be strategic. Who are you? What the hell are you doing there? What can people expect from you on that platform? 
Like that straight away. And that's where people go wrong. They don't know their ICA. They don't know their niche. They don't know the problem they solve. They don't know their audience. ICA? They're like their ideal client. Oh yeah. Okay. Got it. You know? Um, yeah, ideal so like, client avatar. What about- yes, um, Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I totally get that. There's a great saying, tell, don't sell, which is basically, you know, in, in telling your story and telling people about what you're up to, what you believe in, you, you, you are selling anyway. Be really interesting to know what, you know, the big sales coaches would say to all this, wouldn't it? They'd be going, no, no, no. You've got to whack on the Navy suit with the white shirt, the red tie and get out there and sell. Exactly. <laughs> How boring. You're, some other steps in getting to that 400 on Instagram, which we won't go through in detail, but you talk about care about your audience. You've spoken about that. You've run live events off the back of your Instagram um, activation. We've talked about that. One thing, uh, you talk about focusing on one thing. I like that. It means like do that well as opposed to just that scattergun approach and hoping something will stick. The one last point, Erica, that I want to just get you explain on is give clients results ahead of time. What does that look like and why? So what you do, your podcast is free. You get people who are amazing to share tangible tips. I can listen to your podcast. I listen to your podcast with Tina Tower. I love Tina. And I can go away and do something with that. I don't need to pay Timbo a dollar. And because you are the one that always gives me the results and you give me results before I even paid you, imagine if you paid Timbo and you joined his courses Hello. on his website. Go now. Come Link, on. Swipe I've got, I've got up. I've got a course, you know? but... Uh, Come on, but it's only $9,997 and I've only but got for, 100 spots. <laughs> but for you listeners today, you get 50% off if you buy now, right? <laughs> be unreal. So, yeah, exactly. So literally it's like, <laughs> it's that. So I, I was doing my Q&A. I was answering the questions that I knew my clients had. I was giving them result. my podcast. You don't ever have to work with me. You could literally listen to my podcast and change your fucking life. Like literally, 100%. So, so I go... When they do that, when they think about a coach, a life coach, confidence, they think Erica. And to be honest, everybody who's joined my program from my podcast, because and I don't do ads in my podcast, and they're joining from the podcast, has said to me, you gave me so much, I already changed my life, I can't imagine what it'd be like to work with you. So it works when you, when you do that. And so what I, I guess I want you to take away from how you make money on Instagram and anything is I could have said how I made 400K on LinkedIn, how I made 400K on TikTok, which that blows my mind that people are making money on such a ridiculous app, but I can't hate on it because it's, it's working, right? So the, the, the point of this is choose your platform. Where is your client? Not what do you like? I don't give a shit what you like. Where's your client? Are they in the podcast world? Get a podcast, you know? So I, I just looked at where my client was and I flooded the, the gateway with content that I knew she needed to hear. And then at the end, I went, if it resonates with you, sign up for coaching with me. You know, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, it's not some weird academic formula. It's actually kind of human nature and, and I love I love the fact that it is like that. So, hey, Erica Kramer, Queen of Confidence, thank you so much for sharing your story and for doing the work that you're doing oh, thank you. out there. And I wish you all the luck in the future. Maybe I can get you on when you've made your first seven figures. Hey, thank you so much, Timbo. Did the cynicalness kind of go away <laughs> or it's still there? Yeah, you know, absolutely it did. Yeah, 100%. We should talk about you know, Instagram. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but listen, uh, queenofconfidence.com forward slash. So you just go to the queenofconfidence.com, click on that if you want to work on yourself, if you want to work on changing your life, if you've got anything to work with there or um, the queenofconfidence.com biz mentoring and that's my scale squad where I teach women who started from zero to build to six figures in a genuine non-cynical way yeah, on any awesome. platform. <laughs> Good on you Erica. Thank you so Thank much. You, Timbo. There you go team. 
Erica Kramer, the Queen of Confidence. What a story. And what a great business she has doing much needed work. I hope you got a lot out of that, both from a business and marketing strategy point of view, but just, you know, you're not confident all the time. Some of us aren't confident ever, you know? So hopefully that helped you break through and feel a little bit more confident in yourself, in your business. Here's my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Erica. Attention grabber number one. I love Erica's overall life and business philosophy about stepping into service as opposed to having your hard-assed business hat on all the time. It feels pretty good when you are in service to your clients, your prospects, whoever that may be. Try it if you haven't already. As a listener of this show, I reckon you probably do it, but if not, give it a crack. Attention grabber number two, I love how Erica rings every one of her customers that buy from her. I just think this is fantastic. Now, this may not always be possible if you own a business that are, that has a high volume of sales. However, it's still worth asking yourself the question, how can you acknowledge how grateful you are to each and every one of your customers? Doesn't matter what volume of sales you have, have a think about that. Not only is this a solid marketing play, just buddy feels good acknowledging people who are giving you money. It's a pretty good thing. Thank you to everyone who's ever bought my book. Thank you to everyone who's ever listened to my podcast. Thank you to anyone who's ever booked me to appear on uh, their stage at their conference. You're ace. I love you all. And attention grabber number three. I love how Erica talked about identifying where your ideal client hangs out online and then flooding them with content that they need, okay? Flooding's a scary word, sounds a bit spammy, but hey, you create good content on an ongoing basis and people will consume it because they love it and it's being helpful and they love you. Remember, people buy from people. That's what grabbed my attention. I would love to know what grabbed yours. Call the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline. Don't be shy. Put this number in your phone, right? And maybe just call it at some point in time when you're feeling a moment where you go, hey, I wouldn't mind calling Timbo on 0480 015 150. If you're overseas, you can still do it. Just do plus six one and drop the zero. So it's plus six four eight zero. 015150. Just like listener and Facebook tribe member Bridget did. Hey Timbo, it's Bridget Hallam here from Throw Your Leg Over Motorcycle Books. A few things. I just want to say thank you so much, first of all, for the podcast. It's fantastic. It's um it's very educational, it's very friendly. Uh, I've learned a lot and I love that it pops up every week. Um, it just sort of feeling like we sort of get to have a chat with you every week, which is really good. I want to also just say that I love how you interview people. Like the questions that you ask are really good. You're obviously a really good listener. And uh, it, it's, yeah, the things that I'm wanting to know, like quite often you will then ask that question, which is really awesome. Um, and, you know, the odd that joke doesn't go astray. So thank you for those too. Um, in terms of marketing, like, oh God, I feel like I've learned so much from it. Um, one of the main things that we've put in place is the use of videos, um, not only on our um, socials and our website, which we're going to be doing more of, but also we send people a little video thanking them for their order when they order a book from us. So, And we've had great feedback um, for those. So that's something that's working really well for us at the moment. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I'm just curious about, is you mentioned that people weren't... 
um, putting in or applying for the the jackpot, the draw, the prizes. And I just, I don't know, it just kind of struck me. Are we all kind of suffering from a bit of imposter syndrome? Are we just shy? I don't know. Um, and I'm as guilty as the next person. I didn't put my hand up for it either. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what you think. Um, anyway, at the end of the day, I just want to say thank you so much for doing what you do and for doing it so well. And I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to the next episode. Oh, my God. I forgot to add your Facebook tribes. Awesome. Love it. And I just want to thank everyone again for all the input in helping us put together our tagline, which we're very happy with. So thank you. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Hey, Bridget. Thank you so much for reaching out. You're a great listener and a wonderful tribe member. Um, I, I think it's funny that you think I'm a good listener. That uh, That's taken work. I pride myself on being that now, but it wasn't until Richard Stubbs many episodes ago critiqued me on air about my interviewing skills. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, everyone who's interested in becoming a better interviewer, then um, it's worth listening to. I'll put the episode link in the show notes over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 564. Hey, Bridget, well done on great use of video marketing. I love the fact that you've been listening to this podcast and implementing. Thank you for being a great contributor in the tribe. The monster prize draw, reason for closing. It was I was surprised as much as anyone, you know, every single week I'm giving away over $1,000 worth of prizes. There's no hype. It's just how it was. You tell me what idea was working for you that you'd picked up on this show. If I read it on air, I'd send you over a thousand bucks worth of prizes. And I wasn't under, well, I suppose in the end, I was underwhelmed by the amount of people who were sending me emails. Um, and I couldn't really understand it because I actually know how many listeners I have and it's in the tens of thousands. So it's not as if there were people not listening in order to get the instructions, but I don't know. Anyway, I closed it. Uh, and now we have this, the voicemail, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, Bridget, throw your leg over .com.au, your ace. Motorcycle guidebooks is what Bridget does, in case you were wondering, and I love the name of her business. Thank you, Bridget. Coming up next week, you and I catch up with failed actor Steve Trinder, who went on to create a product business that has sold, wait for it, 70 million units of his product. <laughs> If you haven't already, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. It'll show you how to create and why you should create helpful marketing. You can buy it over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. I'd love to hear from you. Ring the hotline. I've given you the number already. Hopefully it's in your phone. And if you're loving this podcast, there's 563 more episodes in the archive on your favourite podcast app. Speaking of this podcast, it was presented by me, Timbo Reed, the music bed bashed together by the world's leading expert on the Hammond organ and past guest, Lockie Dolly, and somehow, somehow, magically producer Romy Scher turns it into Australia's most popular business marketing podcast. Thank you, Rom. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now. <laughs>